Welcome to session 14 of the Bible in a Year commentary. Congratulations on two weeks of reading through your Bible. Let yourself celebrate that milestone. If you started this series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 14th of January. And today we'll be looking at Genesis 43 to 45 and Psalm 14. So far in Genesis, we've read through the creation of the earth, the fall of humanity, and the rise of a new family chosen by God. The narrative began with the creation of heaven and earth, followed by the fall of Adam and Eve, setting the stage for humanity's moral decline. God then chose Abraham's family as a beacon of hope, leading us through the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now Joseph. Joseph, who dreamed of power and position and bragged about to his brothers, found himself in Egypt, interpreting dreams for Pharaoh. His humility and wisdom not only save Egypt from famine, but elevates him to a position of influence. Joseph's story then comes full circle when his brothers, who once sold him into slavery, unknowingly seek his help during the famine. Joseph tests their character and finds them repentant. Not revealing his true identity to his brothers, Joseph pretends that they are spies. He holds back Simeon and tells them they must bring their youngest brother, Benjamin, to prove they aren't spies in order to see Simeon released. He also sends them back with the money they had paid for the food hidden in their bags. His plan is for a family reunion. However, when the brothers head home, their father Jacob is too overcome by grief and refuses to let Benjamin be taken. Simeon is left captive in Egypt and the family go hungry for fear of returning, which is where we pick up today. So let's jump in with Genesis 43 to 45. In yesterday's reading, it was Reuben that appealed to Jacob to let them take Benjamin to Egypt. In today's reading, it is Judah. And going forward, we see that it's Judah that takes the lead in all the conversations with the brothers. This is to set up the idea that the tribe of Judah will one day take the lead over all the nations of Israel. Reuben offered to have his two sons killed if he failed to bring Benjamin home. Judah offers to take the responsibility on himself. Once again, the brothers now set off to Egypt to buy food for their family, this time with Benjamin in tow. When the brothers get to Egypt and to Joseph's house, they make a point of trying to give back the silver that they had found in their sacks from the last time they were in Egypt. They demonstrate their integrity by not wanting to lie or steal, even by accident. After having a great meal with his brothers, Joseph decides to test on one last time. He persuades one of his servants to slip a silver cup into Benjamin's sack, and then after they leave, chase them down and accuse them. And so he does. The brothers at first deny it, but when the cup is found, they can't argue. They go back to Joseph and Judah pleads with him, begging Joseph to take him, not Benjamin. Once again, Judah is laying down his own life for his brother. This is all the evidence that Joseph needs. Many years later, here are his brothers now living with integrity and willing to sacrifice themselves to protect one another. They are very different men from the ones that sold him into slavery all those years ago. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and tells them to go home, get the whole family and move up to Egypt to live with him. We see the abundant generosity of Pharaoh, who so deeply values Joseph and wants to bless his whole family. In this section, Joseph highlights the theme that is key to the whole of Genesis. While the brothers intended evil by selling him into slavery, God meant it for good. While humanity seems determined to pull God's order and creation into chaos, God is always working to restore it and make it good again. The brothers go back to Jacob, laden with gifts, and tell them all that has happened. But Jacob's one and only care was that his son was alive and that he would see him again. So let's look at Psalm 14. This psalm is attributed to King David and is often considered a lament psalm, but it's not that clear. We've established before that the common beats of a lament psalm are turning to God, 
bringing the complaint to God, making a request of God, and then declaring trust in God. But this psalm has less of the feel of someone bringing their complaints to God and asking him to intervene, and more the feel of someone who is teaching on the nature of the fallen earth. There are fools who are corrupt, and those with understanding who seek after God. We see similar language in the book of Proverbs, and so it may be that this psalm is actually a wisdom psalm. These psalms seek to educate and teach the reader. The psalm has a duplicate later on, Psalm 53, which is almost identical with some slight variations. The psalm can broadly be broken into two parts, wisdom lament and looking forward to deliverance. Here is a summary of the structure, but I would recommend checking out the written version of this commentary in the description to see the structure properly. So we start with verse one, where the psalmist talks about the foolish. Then verse two and three, are there any who are wise? Spoilers, no. Verse four, why do the wicked attack my people? Verses five to six, God is a refuge to the poor. And then verse seven, the future hope of Zion. The psalm opens on a problem that foolish, corrupt people exist. And there seem to be a lot of them. These foolish people do not believe in God and they do wicked things. In response, God searches the earth for those who aren't foolish, those who are understanding and who seek him, but all of them have allowed themselves to become foolish. This is clearly hyperbole over exaggeration. As we'll see, there are definitely still those who are innocent and righteousness. Turning back to the foolish, the psalmist notes how they oppress and consume my people. But who is the psalmist talking about? As the psalm is attributed to King David, this could be from the point of the king. But it's perhaps more likely that the psalmist is talking from the point of Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom is a character that appears in a lot of wisdom literature. She is the embodiment of wisdom. Her people are those who seek after and live by wisdom. Lady Wisdom condemns the wicked. They will be terrorised because God is the God of the righteous. As much as they might try to shame the poor, God will protect them. And so Lady Wisdom looks forward to the day where there will be no more wicked, where God restores the good fortunes to his people. This will be a day of celebration. 